Since completing our series um, in Esther, we have been in transition, going through just a few things um, somewhat randomly, uh, but we'll start a new series soon, and uh, we'll let you know. But today, we'll continue. Um, a week ago, we did Psalm 40 and Psalm 41, and now let's just go straight with that, do Psalm tonight. Today, we'll do Psalm 42 and 43. So our scripture reading this morning, if you were turning your Bible, is Psalm 42 and 43. If you don't have your own Bible, our ushers have Bibles available, and raise your hand, they'll bring one to you that you can use throughout our service this morning. Psalm 42 and 43. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me, hoping God? For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. God, give us understanding in this portion 
of scripture that we read and preach through this morning. I want to ask you if you would remain standing with me as we have a short time of prayer. If you would, with me, bow your heads, close your eyes in our moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We thank you for who you are. Open our eyes this morning. Help us to see your word. Help us to understand it. Be driven to you as a result of it. I pray that you would move in our hearts today. Awaken us. Allow us to mirror the psalmist in his zeal and in his passion, in his seeking of you, going after you, desiring for you. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to the many hurts in our lives, the disappointments as the psalmist expressed. May we find you to be our refuge and our shelter. We pray for that shelter and refuge for those who are sick amongst us or going through different challenges physically, as well as those that just need encouragement. Often that's the same group because of what they face, need encouragement in you. We pray that you would help them to, to, to find that encouragement in you. We just pray for them. We think of uh, Sister Minnie Kathy and her battle against cancer. We pray that you would watch over and be with her. We also pray, Lord, for Sister Lola Spears, thanking you that she's here today and has been very faithful in serving you, and we thank you for that. We pray that you would just help her, could keep her encouraged, trusting in you, and having a testimony as she has had of trusting in you. We pray for Sister Beverly, Lord, as we've understood this week that she also has cancer. And we pray that you would just watch over, bless, and be with her. We thank you for that attitude that you have given her, that attitude that just up, uplifts the spirits of all who talk with her. We thank you for that bright smile on her face as she continues to trust in you. And we pray that you would deliver her that you would keep her strong in you. And for Charles as her husband, that uh, you would help him uh, to uh, just be strengthened as he continues to minister to her and uh, uh, encourage her as well. So we thank you for and pray for my dad, Lord, and asking you to continue to watch over him and bless and protect him and allow him to continue to have that testimony. I know it's hard is to see his... Um, his family saved, those who, are, who don't trust in you. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would use his testimony in that regard. We pray today for our friends and our visitors and those who are with us here today, our regular members and faithful as well. Thanking you for bringing Heidi and Brian and their family back with us today safely. We thank you for the Holtz back here after an accident last Sunday that kept them away. Uh, we just thank you for those who who have been sick and, and uh, struggling with different things, uh, Lawrence and, and uh, bringing him back here today. We, we think of those who are away. We think of Patty and, and uh, uh, their two boys and asking you to watch over and be with and bless them. Those who have suffered different ailments through the week, Lord, you know. Um, and we thank you for your healing and your blessing and your uh, encouragement. 
Now, we pray that this service will be a focus on you and that you would speak to us where we are and bring us where you need and want us to be to bring glory to you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Please be seated. Heads up, choir. I'm going to ask you to play that song again, to sing that song again at the end of our service. I get to do that. <laughs> you know, they say, why didn't you warn us? I didn't have to warn you. I just did, right? <laughs> Psalm 42 and 43, significant uh, psalm that it speaks to um, the issues that we face in our lives. You know, the psalmist is speaking from the perspective of one who trusts God, one who is walking by faith with the Lord. And yet he faces, he encounters countless challenges. So the walk of faith is not an easy walk. Just because you turn to Christ doesn't mean that all the problems in your life go away. In fact, it guarantees that they won't. You're just starting a battle. You're just starting a race. Now, that may seem discouraging, but it shouldn't be. It's because we need a correct view of life and what God does when he saves us. He redeems us from sin when we trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the only way to be free from the penalty of sin is to accept Christ and his offer to pay for our sin on the cross. When we do that, we become part of his family, his children. And when you're part of the family, you got to deal with the family feud. <laughs> There's a family feud going on. And you realize that once you get in the family that, you know, I, I remember when, 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 when I was younger, I would go out. It wasn't exactly a family feud, but I would go out and people would say, you a kenner. I go, yeah, I am. I've been a kenner all my life. Well, well, what's up with you? And they say, oh, okay. I know your brother. I know your sister. Now, they would say that for good because they, 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 they found, they, 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 they wanted to encourage me that I was, Part of a good family. So I knew that already. <laughs> Didn't need you telling me. But going out, other people identified me in certain ways. And uh, thank God we were part of a family that was favored, loved, instead of one that was, you know, not favored. People not looking at, you know, turned twisted and, and looking at you funny. But the fact is, when you become part of the family of God, you come into fellowship with all who are in agreement with God. That's the family. But you also are enemies of those who are the enemy of God. And that's Satan. And he goes against you. And so you're guaranteed to face some challenges in your life simply because of that. Now, people say, well, that's not a, encouraging. Well, let me tell you why it's encouraging. You're going to face some challenges <laughs> whether you're part of the family of God or not. What the family of God says is now you now have the connection to, to have victory in those challenges. 
Satan don't really got no friends. He don't really partner with you. His mission is to destroy, to cause havoc. And so he's going to do that unabated with those who aren't a part of Christ. Those who are part of Christ will battle with him, but with the power of God behind them, we have victory. And so the psalmist expresses that, that full range of human emotion and experience And he guides the believer, the psalmist does, in our struggle to live out our faith in this oppressive world. I want you to look, first of all, at the structure of Psalm 42 and 43. As we read it, you'll see why those two are connected. Um, It's like singing a song. A song has, well, I call them a verse or a stanza, and then it has a chorus or a refrain. Uh, and so uh, this is structured that way. There's three verses or three stanza to it, and then there's a common refrain. And let's look at the refrain first, shall we? It, you, you heard it kind of popped out as I read it. Psalm 42, the, fir- the refrain is first seen in verse 5. Is this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. That's the refrain. It's repeated again in verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then at the end of of chapter 43, of Psalm 43, verse 5, it's repeated again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So it's like if you're singing a song, that's the chorus, that's the refrain. It's repeated after every stanza. So that in itself tells us where the stanzas are. The first stanza is chapter 42, uh, Psalm 42, 1 through 4. We'll go through that. The second stanza is verse 6, the end of verse 6 to verse 10. And then the third stanza is 43, uh, verses 1 through 4. So the structure is just like a song. Stanza 1, refrain. Stanza 2, refrain. Stanza three, refrain. The purpose of the psalm is shown in verse one and two. Let's read that. Psalm 42, one and two. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The psalmist, in its purpose, is expressing a longing to return to God's presence in the sanctuary. We're going to talk about that. Repeat that again. The psalmist is expressing this longing to return to God's presence in the sanctuary. He Longs, we said longing, is is pictured as a thirst 
the deer, after his running through the, the, the wooded area, is thirsty. And he joyfully is happy about finding some water that he can drink. And he goes there to drink. And so it's a picture of us as believers, those who are believers, should have and do have a thirst for God. But not just a thirst for God, and it's specific in this passage, is a thirst for God that he looks to quench not all alone, but he, he looks to come where God's people are gathered in a public gathering where he can meet the presence of God. He said, where is he to meet God? Look at the end of verse 2, and you get the gist of what he's saying. After saying, my soul thirsts for God, in verse 2, for the living God, and that, 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 that clarification, living God, just speaks to me to saying he, he wants to know God for real. He wants to know the real, the true God. There's a lot of false, small case G-O-D-S's. But there is one true, and he's, he's described here as a true and living God. Because what happens is, uh, uh, especially in the, in the old biblical times, the, the people around them who didn't worship the true God, they served idols. Things that are carved out of wood and, and carved out of uh, even precious metals and, and, and those types of things and decorated. And they're, they're set before them and, and they worship those. And he says, that's, just, that's, that's not even, that's not God. That's not a living thing. And we, I know today we laugh at that and say, you know, how, how archaic is that to set up a piece of wood and, and to bow down and worship it. But we are doing the same thing today when people say, I can't come to church because uh, I got to wash my car. I got to take my car to the shop. Um, I got to take my kids to soccer. I got to do this. I got to do that. Everything takes precedent and priority over worshiping and serving God. And that becomes our idol. It can be a program on TV. It can be an athletic program. It, it can be a, a, a practice that we do or any activity that we get involved in that now raises itself above the importance of meeting with God's people in God's place. And so we have idols here today, um, just as they had idols there. But the psalmist is saying, I long for the presence of the true and living God. And this is what he says about meeting God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, I, when I first read it, I thought maybe that's a fearful thought, coming before the presence of God. But as I read on, he's not fearful at all. He's not talking about meeting God, his judge, and standing before his maker and being judged and wondering whether he's going to make it or not. He sees meeting God as a joyful thing, and what he's talking about is not the judgment that we will see God in or the end of time when we will be reconciled and, and, and have God uh, uh, consider our works. He's not talking about that meeting, and in fact, that's not a fearful thing for him because he meets God, he meets God regularly in the place where God's people meet. When will I, shall I come and appear before God? He's talking about getting together with God's people 
in a time of worship. As we go through this, you'll see how that comes out to be clear. And what it's saying is that the psalmist, his whole purpose in these psalms is to show how he longs for meeting God and, and, and enjoying the presence of God in worship in the place where God's people meet. That's why it's so appropriate for the choir to come and sing that song. When we praise, when we worship, when we come together and praise. And so he's talking about, I long for that. Now, let me tell you why he longs for that time. It's not just because he's a skilled musician, which if it's David who's a writer here, David certainly was a skilled musician, and that he would play and perform, as we might say, uh, in that time of worship. No, he longs for that. In other words, let me relate it to you. You should come and long and enjoy the worship of God, not because you sing in a choir, or not just because you play an instrument, or not because you have a beautiful voice and you want others to hear, but because the experiences of life drive you to God. And you enjoy the encouragement that you get from God and his word in the company of his people. And I say it that way for a specific reason, because we have so many people who think I can meet with God and worship on my own privately. And I say, yes, you can. But you will not want to substitute that for the meeting of God's people collectively. Because there's something that we need in that. And the psalmist will bring that out as we go through that. There is something encouraging about people who love God coming together mutually to worship God, to praise God, and to encourage one another in their walk of faith. We need that. And that is our part, that's part of our meeting with God. When we, when, when we come to that place, when we meet and live eternally with God, we will be with God in the company of his people. There is no private heaven where you all by yourself and communing with God. It just doesn't exist in Scripture. I don't see it. What I see, if you look at Revelation that gives us a, a glimpse of that, we see the huge company of those who God has redeemed and who God has created for his glory, praising God together and worshiping him. In fact, the psalmist is saying, because of those times in my life when I, have to, when I feel like I'm going alone, I long for the worship of God in the presence of his people. How does he express that? Let's get now into, that's my introduction. <laughs> Let's get into the psalm itself. There's four main points that we get to, and we, we just talked about the first one, is that as believers, we long to experience God's presence among his people in the group assembly and worship. The second point is this. Our tears, our sorrows, our fearful experiences drive us to God. Our tears, 
our sorrows, our fearful experiences in this life. See, we're going to face these things living in a sinful, wicked world. But those things drive us. They drive us to God. Look what he says in verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. That's a powerful statement. The psalmist is saying, I go through a lot, and it, it, it brings me, it breaks me down. My tears have been my food day and night. Then he has this comment, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He is being taunted and ridiculed by the enemy who says to him, in the midst of your trouble, where is God? Have you ever experienced that? He feels like God is not there at times. He's saying that's a part of our human experience. That's a part of our human experience as we walk this walk of faith. That's why we come together and we relate to each other. You need to know, brother, you're not alone in feeling like that. You're not by yourself. Not only are you not alone or by yourself, you're not crazy. You're not experiencing something that is off the chart. People, we are shaking and saying, you know, my faith is weak. Why do I feel like God is not there? He's abandoned me. The psalmist relates to that feeling. And he says, that's a part of our walk. That's a part of our experience. We go through those, those discouragements, uh, confusion, as we walk with the Lord. He says, where's your God? Didn't, didn't notice how he deals with it. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. I want to deal with this pouring out the soul first. He says, the things that I'm going through cause me, they drive me to God, and, and I pour my soul out to him. He pictures somebody who's in desperation, in agony. The weight of the things of this world are pressing down on him to the degree that his soul is burdened and overwhelmed. We can relate to that. God is speaking to our hearts in this. He says, this is where you find yourself, like the psalmist, sometimes. But then he says, verse 4, these things I remember. He says, even as I'm pouring out my soul, even as I'm going through these sorrows, these challenges, what is it that I remember? I remember how I will go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. That's why I know he's talking about this meeting, this public meeting, this assembling of the people of God. He says, I, I, when I'm going through and my heart is overburdened, I think back to those times of worship. I think back to the times where I will met with God and met with God's people. And I poured out my soul into to God. I have worshipped with him. I've led others in this time with glad shouts 
and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. I like that, a multitude. It's been a big group of people. And what are they doing? They're rejoicing. Festival talks about a, a, a celebration. He says it's not always happy and, 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 and expressions of joy, but that there is always worship and praise to God in the midst of our struggle and our challenges. That's what the psalmist is relating there. So he gets to the chorus of stanza after stanza one, and he asks the question, why are you cast down, O my soul? First of all, he's saying, I, am, I, I do get cast down. I do get discouraged. I get, we, we call it depressed. <laughs> I, there's times when my soul is down. But what does he do? He asks the question, why? Why are you cast down, O my soul? In other words, it's, 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 it's a common experience for us to go through the challenges of life and it to weigh down on us, but it's also the, the believer's experience to do, I wrote in the margin of my Bible, I wrote this, feed yourself. Feed yourself. He, what is he doing? He's preaching to himself. What happens is when, when we are immature, when, 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 when an infant, is, as an infant, needs mom or dad to, to literally hold the bottle and place it in his mouth, well, what he can do is suck. You see that mouth moving, and they know how to do that from the time they're born. But they're not strong enough to hold the bottle. They need someone to feed them. But it doesn't take long for that child, you notice they get to be about four or five months old, and boom, them arms are so strong enough. They can hold their own bottle. If you put them at the right angle, prop them up on the pillow right, they can hold that bottle for a little bit. And, and as they grow older, they, can't, they, 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 can, they can do more and more. And though they may not be able to prepare a meal, they can't mix the formula <laughs> and put it all together, they, they, they they are growing at the ability to feed themselves. And so it is with us spiritually. We need to be able to feed ourselves. Nothing wrong with having a meal prepared for you. But as an adult, you would think it's, it's strange if not only I would have to prepare the meal, but get the spoon and fork and, and take it from dish to mouth. Saying as you mature, you're able to do that. And that's what the psalmist is doing. He's feeding himself. He's saying, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? It's a fact that you are, but consider, and don't stay there, consider why is it that you're cast down? In other words, what keeps you discouraged when there's truth that you should know and that you should practice and you should live out that will place you in a, in a place of encouragement? It doesn't take all the, 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 the trouble away. It brings in perspective your trouble. It says, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Turmoil is a strong term. So sometimes we are in confusion. We're mixed up. We don't know what to do because we, we, are, we are down. We are discouraged. We're in despair. We're facing issues that we don't know how to deal with or they just simply weigh down on us. Why are you in turmoil within me. And then he says this, hope in God. 
For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He says, hope in God. Why? Not be just, just because he's some magical, mystical thing that you ought to just, you know, just place your hope in. People say that so, so uh, 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 randomly that, you know, just, just, it's like hope itself is to be believed in. No, hope in God. And why? Because he's my salvation and my God. He looks forward to the time. He says, I shall again praise him. He says, though I'm, I'm in the midst of trouble right now, they're, they're, I'm looking, keep it, keep it like uh, for us today, I'm looking for Sunday. I can't wait for Sunday morning. I'm looking forward to that time when I meet with God and God's people and I worship and I praise him. Monday morning <laughs> might be weird and odd and, 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 and bring us in all kind of intrepidation, but Sunday morning, that time of worship, that we need that time. We need to practice worship to God. Why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? He's preaching to himself. He's talking to himself, but not just word, vain words or empty words. This is based on who God is and what he's able to do in his life. My God, my salvation. Not just my grandmother's faith. It ain't, it, you know, it's no magic in grabbing her Bible. It's all marked with all the notes that she placed in it. It's not just about her life and her faith, but the psalmist says, I've experienced God for myself. He's my God, and as I've experienced him, I found him to be my salvation, my deliverer. The second stanza, he continues that same thought as the first my soul the middle of verse six my soul is cast down within me he acknowledges the issues in life he's not ignoring it he's not saying set it aside as if it doesn't happen he's saying it's a reality i face sorrows I face disappointment. If you read through the psalm, you, you, you realize some of the things that he faces. <clears throat> we mentioned the sorrows. We mentioned the taunting, right? Verse 3, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And I read that. <clears throat> jumps out to me, they, the they. They say to me, he has enemies who, who are speaking to him. And sometimes this is a, a, an audible voice of somebody speaking to you right there. Or it's something that you recall and remember that keeps ringing in your head. They're saying basically it's foolish to trust in God. God's going to let you down. That's not going to sustain you. That's good for a short time, but you can't keep it up. That, that is, you know, no goodness, it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's not, uh, um, it doesn't pay to worship God. That's, that's what he's doing. That's what he's saying. And so we, we have those thoughts that come at us. The other things he's going through, he says, uh, um, as, let's repeat it again in verse 10. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. You know, I was told when I was young that, that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will 
never hurt you? Well, they do. They sting. They hurt. They're not a physical hurt, but they do affect you. They do impact you. And he says, it feels like a deadly wound. <laughs> he said, feel like, feel like I've been fired at with a gun. I've been blasted. I've been attacked. How? By the taunt. My adversaries taunt me. And then he repeats that again. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So some of the things that he is experiencing are those kinds of issues. He's under attack. He's under oppression. He says in verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He has feelings of being abandoned. He has insecurities. What he's saying is these are some of the common things that we face in life. For a few weeks I've been reading over uh, uh, just statements about mental disorders, and it's interesting when you when you when you when you phrase it that way. Mental disorders. We, we we first of all, it's stated that like you know these are the crazy people, right? These are people who got issues, right? <laughs> and they start reading some of the definitions of their issues, and you go, uh oh, this ain't just crazy people. I got some of that. <laughs> I've experienced some of that. <laughs> Let me, let me give you an example. <laughs> Paranoia is a baseless or excessive suspicion of the motives of others. Right? <laughs> now, come on. You describe it that way. What is saying? We all got that. I go to the gas station. Hey, man, can you give me a quarter? I'm automatic, automatically suspicious. Naturally, I walk down the street. I'm watching behind me. I'm listening. I'm on hyper alert. Now, you can call that paranoia. <laughs> I call it living in a fallen, wicked, broken world. In other words, we, as part of our human experience, we got some of these things that may be extreme in others, but they're common. They're common human experiences because of the world that we live in. Anxiety, worry, stress, distress. <laughs> I read through from it, some. It just it just looks it looks funny. Disorder. What it's saying is. It's hard functioning in this world. And in fact, you can't function in this world on your own apart from God. We don't have the stuff to cope with this apart from God. The psalmist is acknowledging that. He's saying, God, I got issues. I need you. I need your help. I long for that which comes from you. That's a wholeness. I'm not all right on my own. I desperately need the Lord. Now, we just have people who think, 
I can get along without that. You see, Christianity is just a crutch. If you're strong, you don't need it. Well, if you're arrogant, you think you're strong. And you will soon find out that you need the Lord. You need the Lord to live and to walk and to exist in this world. Then you also need the Lord to live and walk and exist in a world to come. You cannot enter into heaven apart from God. Faith in him. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's best that we learn that here. God meant for our, our struggles, our sorrows, our issues to drive us to him. One of the disorders is called post-traumatic stress disorder. Abnormal behavior occurring after a traumatic event, such as reliving the event, reduced involvement with others, hyper alertness, exaggerated startle response, right? That's saying, look, when you go through some drama, it's going to affect you. One way or another, now I understand, I don't want to make light of, of these things because they, they, they can become so prominent in our life is that they, we don't know how to function. What I'm saying to you is that they are different degrees of common human experience. And the psalmist is relating to the issues of life and saying what we need to do is turn to the Lord. We need to rely on him. We need to live a life of being sustained by God. We need to acknowledge the effects and the impact of living in this fallen world and that we need God. The psalmist is saying the things, the issues of this life drive me to God. That's all we're saying. Acknowledge that. Come to God. Sorrows, hurts, insecurity, fear, oppression, discouragement, depression, confusion, abandonment, rejection. In, in, in chapter 443, verse 2, he says, For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? What is he saying here? He's saying, it is, it is my common experience to feel that I'm not accepted by God, that he's either abandoned me or he's rejected me. We, we feel that. Sometimes we pray and we say, God, this prayer request that I have is so important. How could you not give it to me? And yet God hasn't answered. He hasn't responded yet. And we feel he has either abandoned us or he has rejected us. The psalmist is saying, I relate to you. I feel that, but I don't stay there. I don't stay there. He says, why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He's relating to the things of this life and how he's experienced them. Let me get to three questions that I think we ought to consider and help us through this passage. We've answered some of them. What types of experiences does the, does the writer express, the psalmist express? Well, he expresses the ups and downs of the life of faith. The ups and downs of the life of faith. We mentioned some of the downs. Let's talk about some of the ups. 
It's in the refrain. That's why he, he repeats it three times. The end part, he says, it's in, in, in 42 verse 5, or excuse me, verse 6. Why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The downs are our sorrows and our hurts and our insecurities, our fear, oppression, discouragement, uh, um, confusion, abandonment, rejection, and the like. Then hope, encouragement, security, love, joy, strength, support, connection with God and his people, protection of God. Those are the ups of the Christian walk. And he says hope in God. Verse 11 again, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? He says, I know what you're walking through. I know what you're experiencing, but you ought not to stay in that state of mind. You ought to hope in God. Put your faith, put your trust in God. We probably should mention what hope means. Hope does not mean, let, let, let me express it this way. Hope is not Spending $10 on 10 lottery tickets, hoping that one of them might get you the lottery. That's not the kind of hope he's talking about. Hope that he's talking about is to trust in a sure thing, sure person, and that's God, and what he has already promised that you are his and he will take care of you in this life and in the life to come. And you are secure in him regardless of what happens here. He didn't say nothing would happen here, but he says regardless of what happens, you are secure in him. The New Testament writer expresses it this way in Romans chapter 8. What can separate us from the love of God? In tribulation and he goes through a whole list of things and he says none of them can separate me none of them can can part me from God's love and the security I have in God because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his work in my life that's what hope in God means remind yourself of who this God is. Look at 42 verse 9. It says this. <clears throat> excuse me. It's in verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with, is with me. Jump up to verse 7. He said deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He expresses this, this gloom and this terror of, of just being overwhelmed. Talking about waterfalls, it's just like water. There's two things that water can, can, can really gender in us is that it's, it's, it can be refreshing. One of the things I like to do when I take a ride, I enjoy the Milwaukee area because I can ride and see Lake Michigan. I love to ride by the lake, and, and many of us do. And, and, and just, to, just to see that water, it's a peaceful thing. It's a lovely thing to see the wonders of creation that God has made, and water is one of those wonders that we see. Um, we, we, lo we love to hear the sound of water. 
if it's not in nature, we'll try to create that even, even, even in our own backyards, having a fountain of some sort that we can just hear the refreshing sound of water dropping. That's one effect that water has us. The other one is just the exact opposite. <laughs> when the tsunami, a hurricane, those things happen, they involve water as well. And it's not a good thing. One of the things we are fearful of is being overwhelmed by water. Water coming over us. And I have two pictures of this in, in, in the Bible. The, the one is of Jonah, who tries to run away from the presence of God. And so he's, he jumps in or is thrown into the sea and he is overwhelmed by water. And yet God does deliver him. The second one is Noah, <laughs> who God provides an ark when the floods come and he is saved. He is in safety in the ark. And so there's, there's those experiences that we, we face with, with water. And the, and the psalmist is saying here, even if this water is so strong and so powerful that it would overwhelm me, the next statement in verse 80 says, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me. He says, I, I experienced these things. One of the things I want you to note is how he remembers. Look, look at verse 4. These things I remember. To remember then is to recall, to bring to your mind so it can play a role in your thinking and present. Bring something that has happened in the past. You ought to think about, reflect, meditate on so that you can be in right frame of mind now. He says, when I'm going through these troubles, these issues, I remember in verse 4. And then at the end of verse 6, my soul is cast down within in me. Therefore, I remember from the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mizar. He said, I, I think back, I reflect on God's truth that causes me, that draws me to his goodness, his steadfast love, his faithfulness, his, his, his protection of me. I think and I focus on those things. I remember. So I said there's three things I want us to ponder. What type of experiences does the writer express? The ups and downs of the life of faith. Second question I want us to ponder, what does the writer remind himself of to combat his feelings of discouragement and depression? We spoke to that. Look at the refrain in 42.6, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse 11, why are you cast down on my soul and why, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He reminds himself of who God is and why he is worthy of his hope. That's why we read God's word on a regular basis. We need to re remember what God has done and what he's capable of doing and what he is now doing. We've gone through the book of Esther and we realize that God is working behind the scenes. We need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that God is in control of all things, that God is looking out for the good of his people, that God is going to deliver his people ultimately. 
So past, present, and future, we're reminded of who God is and his protection and his blessing of us. And the third thing I want us to ponder, what does the writer long for and find comfort in? What does the writer long for and find comfort in? I'd like to leave you with this thought. He starts off the psalm as the deer pants for the flowing streams. So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He longs for let me say it in two ways. He longs for the fellowship of God's people that bring him into the presence of God. But even that is just a reminder of what God has yet to do and has promised to do. And that is complete our journey. Take us out of this sin-cursed world and spend an eternity with him. How is he providing that? He's providing that through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Choir, would you come? What he's saying here is he wants us to focus, to be reminded, to reflect, to meditate. And even more than that, he wants us to make a priority of meeting with God's people and be reminded of his truth. I'm going to give you three things that I want us to do. Three I wills. I wills as a result of what God's word speaks of here. One, I will pour myself out to God. These three we focus on our prayer time. Another is I'm going to look to God as I tend to take everything on solo by myself. Of expressing through God's means and God's people, I'm going to use that more than I often have done. I'm not trying to exclude myself. Thank you for the psalmist that helps us understand the issues and how we are to deal with and take our concerns, our hurts, our sorrows, our disappointments, our discouragements to you. To worship, to praise, to be reflecting on you, your goodness, what you have done in the past, what you're able to do right now, what you've promised to do for us in the future. I pray, Lord, that that walk of faith might be started for some who don't know how to by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then making a commitment to your program, your people, serving, worshiping you here at a local church. Lord, if there's any whose heart you have touched in that, may they make it known to us even as we close this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.